Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings podcast, is presented by Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon in St. Joseph. Also sponsored by Full Circle Cafe and Espresso Bar in Stevensville and Taylor Rental Party Plus in Benton Harbor. October is Guest Appreciation Month at Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Concept Salon in St. Joseph. Buy any two Aveda products, skin care, body care, or hair care, and get a third for free for you, for someone else, or start shopping early for holiday gifting. Call ahead for your appointment to shop with an Aveda guest service specialist who will create your home care plan as you shop and fulfill your order. Or place your order ahead and pay with a credit card for curbside pickup. Either way, strict adherence to virus safety measures are practiced and that's why you must call first to shop 269-556-1999 556-1999 either way buy two aveda products and get the third of equal or lesser value free in october during guest appreciation month at frederick and kimberly's aveda salon corner of palmar and red arrow highway st joseph frederick and kimberly's.com that's frederick with a c Virtual hugs from everyone at Frederick and Kimberly's who greatly appreciate all of their new and longtime customers. Hello, we are in the month of October now. And oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're still uh, having to deal with uh, coronavirus restrictions. But I do hope that everyone is wearing your mask and being safe with your distance when you're out in public and trying to stay out of public places as much as possible. Today, we're going to be talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and it's uh, something that's really important to me as I am a breast cancer survivor. And our conversations today will focus on the Marie Yeager Cancer Center at Spectrum Health Lakeland and Dr. Edmund Poloyan, who is a medical oncologist and medical director of oncology services at Spectrum Health Lakeland. Also, Shelly Wilkinson is with me, nurse navigator, high-risk cancer program in oncology. And I say with me, but obviously we're using the, uh, the advances of technology today because of the coronavirus. But thank you both so much for being with me virtually. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to start really with a, a thank you and letting you two both know how much I personally admire you not only for what you do for patients day in and day out, month in, month out, year in, year out, four years, but also for the personal care that I received from both of you when I had breast cancer and was diagnosed in 2013. Shelly, uh, gosh, you were one of the first people I talked to after my diagnosis, and you really helped put real words and uh, layperson language to all of the new medical terminology I was starting to hear. And that really helped put my mind at ease. Yeah, it's, it's just such a scary time, you know, all the unknowns of getting a diagnosis and not knowing where to go, who to talk to, you know, what's ahead of you. It, it can be so scary. So I'm so honored to be part of that process with anybody going through that. Yeah. And any, any woman uh, that I've ever you know, heard who has had any dealings with you after getting their diagnosis basically said the same thing. So we're really lucky and really thankful to have you. And also really lucky to have the Marie Yeager Cancer Center. Dr. Poloyan, maybe you could tell us just a little bit of the story of the Cancer Center and uh, talk about how lucky we are in a relatively small community to have our own cancer center. Well, I had a private practice before uh, cancer center opened, 
and it was a uh, combination of Lakeland and us uh, all coming together, a uh, joint effort to develop a center where maybe one spot uh, to come for treatment, diagnosis, um, follow-up, uh, clinical trials, and uh, our you know, community. And you know, with a lot of help with a lot of community members who donated, uh, we were able to, you know, accomplish a cancer center, which I think opened in 2011. So, um, and since then, uh, we've had a lot of uh, programmatic improvements. We've uh, had clinical trials. We've uh, had uh, navigators, and we've had, of course, um, Shelly Wilkinson, who's developed a lot within the breast, uh, you know, clinic and realm. In terms of not just the, delivering the care, but how you deliver care is so important. Uh, you know, we <clears throat> noticed that when we start explaining things to patients early on and getting them to all the different providers and organizing all that, which really starts with uh, Shelly uh, and now her, you know, her role within the, the uh, high risk breast clinic, really organizes and helps the patients understand quickly where, where they're going to go and gets testing done quickly. There's, there's nothing that you know, can uh, replace that type of a uh, process. Uh, to help someone, you know, quickly get done and have a peace of mind. One of the big aspects of coming to see all the providers quickly is that they they get information from uh, the people who are going to treat them early on so that they know where to focus their thoughts. One of the things you'll see is if, if, if someone's left without that type of guidance uh, and without that type of focus, they, they just start asking all sorts of people, which is natural. They start looking at things on the internet, which is good too. But the problem is, is there's so much information, they go down a bunch of rabbit holes that just don't apply to them. And so when, you know, they come in and and they find out, oh, it's not as bad as they thought, or you know, or no, I really have to do such and such, like chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. Um, they can uh, deal with it much better. So, so anyhow, the uh, Maria Cancer Center and all of us together, uh, you know, uh, with the administration, Barshman, Lowell Hamill, uh, Natalie Fazio, and everyone here, you know, that that's our goal. So. Dr. Ployan, what was the impetus for you uh, specializing in oncology? Um, at what point was that decision made for you in your, you know, your earlier life? Was it as a child, as a student in K through 12, or once you already got to college, you knew you wanted to be a doctor? And what's that story? And is there any any personal aspect to that? I think in high school, I began to really get interested in genetic and what it could do in terms of diagnosis and eventually treatment. And I have, I have a family full of surgeons, three surgeons in my family. I thought I was going to become a surgeon. And uh, I went that path. But um, I recall uh, being on a surgery rotation and, and going in and uh, we were gonna, I was just a student. We were going to put in a, a catheter. I said, what, you know, what's it for? They said for chemotherapy. And I said, why? And they said, it's for someone with lymphoma. And they're going to try and cure them with the chemotherapy. And I thought, you know, I want to be on that end. I want to be on the end where the new research is being done. And I, I you know, um, so that was, that, was, that was my bent. I mean, as surgeons still, we, I, I'm, I think the numbers are still in their favor in terms of curing more cancer. But, you know, oncology is where I saw a lot of research going, <clears throat> a lot of money going. And my mother did eventually have breast cancer. She she passed away from it. She even tried to 
tell me not to go into it. <laughs> she says, kind Aww. of a depressing field. Uh, so she told me. And, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I still, you know, pursued it because when I started uh, at Loyola and Heinz, and I remember the, one of my first rotations at Heinz VA, I still remember, I, I felt like I just belonged there. I don't know how to explain it, but I just felt the, the work they were doing was, was great. And, and I could definitely see because of the genetics and, you know, we the human genome, and now we're onto CRISPR-type techno technology where they're actually going to be able to uh, correct certain genes. I think there's so much excitement. I think it's still extremely complex, but <clears throat> not going to be turnkey, but there is a lot of neat things going on where I think we're going to change the natural course uh, of cancer itself. It's all been, in, you know, or I shouldn't say it's all been. Uh, that's, that's not correct. What it's been is there's a large part that you know, medical oncology has played. Shelly, the same question to you, really. At what point did you decide that this was what you wanted to do, you know, specialize in, in working with um, women, primarily, men also can get breast cancer, but, you know, people that have cancer in, in the role that you are in as a nurse navigator and uh, working with the high-risk cancer program. Yeah, so the interesting thing is back in 1998, I was a cashier at Harding's in Waterbury, and I saw this ad and it said that they were hiring medical oncology for nursing assistants. So I started looking into it and I applied for the job and I got it. Really, I didn't know that it's because it's one of the hardest places to work and not a lot of job opportunities um, elsewhere at the time. And so I took the job and I mean, immediately I wanted to be with the oncology patients. They just have a drive for life and want to live and want to do everything they can to you know, get to the other side and live their life. And so I have been drawn to oncology since 1998. So I go back to that moment. Um, I have radiation oncology experience about four years. I worked there and I mean, I, I've done so many different things with different cancer patients and breast cancer is just one of those that you live through. I mean, the survival rate is so high. If you do what's, you know, recommended that I loved it, you know, I didn't have to deal with, you know, people that were coming in for, you know, just treatments that are just life, you know, just helping them with pain control or, um, you know, whatnot. I just love being able to work with men and women that could get through it and move on with their life and live a full life and be happy and healthy. And obviously you have moved uh, up and up and on and on, not only in just experience and what you've learned from being on the job for over 20 years, but also with, with, updated education. Right. Yeah. I keep my um, current, my certified breast care nurse um, certification to, um, which enhances my abilities to do breast self exams, uh, clinical breast exams on ladies when they come in, help them with their, um, you know, just understanding what's normal, what's not normal, you know, what to um, talk to the doctor about. I think another big piece with the new high risk breast, uh, high risk program that we have here at the outpatient center you know, we're now able to deliver that expedited care to men and women when they go through the diagnostic process, um, which is a scary time, right? I mean, you're getting a mammogram, you don't know what the next step is, you don't know what is, you know, what's the biopsy going to show. Um, so we now have those men and women come to our um, high risk clinic and get those results. And that has been life changing, Brenda, honestly, they're, you know, they're actually hearing it from you know, myself and from Catherine Vera and nurse practitioner, um, the diagnosis, and then we're able to actually get them to all the right um, places, you know, to get all of their care done, expedited. Um, and and it, it just means the world to like be part of that process with them and to be able to, you know, let them know they're going to be okay from the forefront. Yeah. 
I think that's really, really true what you're saying. I, I remember pretty much from the moment I heard the dreaded C word in the office of the surgeon, I was pretty much just really kind of numb until I talked to you and you kind of laid it out for me, like I said, in kind of layman's terms and layman's language and helped explain some of the medical terminology that I was hearing and some of the medical terms and, you know, explain what, you know, kind of what my journey would be like as much as possible. I mean, everyone's situation is certainly completely unique to them, but there are a lot of similarities. And obviously you've been able to take those <clears throat> and, and use that knowledge over the years of helping people to get a relatively um, early understanding um, and and set expectations as to kind of what's going to be happening down the road. Let's talk about the, the new high-risk clinic, if you don't mind, Shelley. Sure. And what is the process? You know, what happens? I remember even at the time that I was diagnosed with you explaining the process of your, you know, your, it was either a daily or a weekly meeting where you kind of discussed all your cases and made sure that everybody was, you know, in agreement as to what was going to be happening next and, you know, making sure that you could keep the patient informed. And I think that communication is really important. Absolutely. So the, what you're talking about is our weekly um, oncology tumor boards. We have those um, still every week. Um, and that's something we're very proud of um, that we do to, you know, collaborate care. Um, we do have our a national accreditation for breast centers. Um, and so we are, you know, very well diverse in breast cancer treatment. Um, the high-risk breast clinic is actually a component of that. That was something that was recommended from our certification um, so that you can have like a one-stop place after a biopsy. Um, the way that you um, are seen in the high-risk clinic, there's a few different ways. Um, we have a genetic counselor now, which has been a great valuable resource for us. So if you have a family history of any cancers that are genetic, um, mainly is breast, colon, ovarian, prostate are the main ones. Um, you could be seen there in that clinic. Um, the other piece is if you have a breast biopsy that's done through our radiology department, um, we have you see us for a follow-up two days after. Um, even if the results come back negative, you know, we want to know what those results are. If there is any abnormal findings, you may still benefit from additional resources and um, consultations. Um, the other part of it is anybody that's in the community, and this is where it's really exciting to me, um, we are able to, um, with our mammograms that we're having done in the community, um, anybody that has a 20% or higher risk of developing breast cancer throughout their life, um, it's flagged on their mammogram. So if you have a mammogram and let's say you have a family history of mom with breast cancer, aunt with breast cancer, um, it'll calculate a number for you. And so if your number's over 20%, we're able to identify those individuals and offer them a visit at the high-risk clinic. Um, and then that appointment, you would be able to meet with Catherine Vera. She'd teach you some preventative measures, exercises, diet. Um, you know, some ladies can benefit from having a screening breast MRI, um, alternating with their mammogram every six months just to be very hypervigilant with the breast cancer screening. Um, and then follow up with her, you know, to make sure that they're getting their clinical breast exams by somebody that's um, well diverse in that area. So those are the main ways that you would come in. Um, and then any positive breast cancer patients, I meet with them myself as well. Dr. Poloyan, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the, in the world of breast cancer specifically um, and anything that's new or research or uh, development or things in the pipeline that you're excited about 
um, that might be, you know, game changers for, for fighting breast cancer. Well, one area that's been developing in oncology is immune therapy. And then right now, like many uh, areas on cancer, one of the places uh, that the development start is, uh, at least in medical oncology, is the metastatic realm, you know, someone who has disease that has spread outside the breast or lymph nodes. And so certain um, patients with triple negative breast cancer that has spread are now uh, candidates for a combination of immune therapy and chemotherapy with immune therapy being a maintenance therapy. And the um, side effects are, in general, significantly less than that would uh, from uh, standard cytotoxic chemotherapy. So uh, that that is certainly one area that has been developed. It's Believe it or not, it's actually more developed in lung cancer and some others. Um, but nonetheless, it's beginning to, we're beginning to see that in breast cancer. Uh, I think the uh, in terms of early diagnosis, things are fairly the same <clears throat> um, uh, with genetics being a big component of uh, finding people who have BRCA1 or 2 genes. Um, but there's other uh, high-risk breast cancer genes. And one of the things I've noticed uh, with our patient population is that we'll have patients who were tested for genetics in 2010 or 11, and uh, shortly thereafter, there was a new gene called CHECK2 um, that came out. And so we've retested some of those people, and some of them actually come up positive. So, oh. so yeah, that, you know, these are some of these things that with evolution you, you see. And so we have to continually update, you know, our knowledge. And sometimes you have to go back and see when certain testing was done because certain uh, genetics might evolve or, and also their family histories evolve over time too. Okay. So, so those are some uh, small nuances. MRI of the breast is a great tool, but it's primarily used for those that uh, the breast cancer was not found by mammogram or uh, primarily for patients with uh, uh, a genetic cause to their breast cancer, like BRCA1 or 2 or CHECK2. So we're using uh, MRI that hasn't expanded past that for standard screening. Maybe one day it will. That would be exciting. Uh, we are right now the second, the next iteration from mammogram has been the, the 3D uh, tomo, tomosynthesis uh, or 3D mammogram. So that's been uh, we've had that now for a few years here. And so <clears throat> those who are eligible or need that uh, with dense breast, uh, that's been a, a nice added addition. We continue to use um, interoperative radiation therapy here that was developed by Dr. Gilda, Dr. Uh, or, uh, I think Barb Schrimp was on that team too. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's been uh, a nice addition. We continue. To now, are you talking? Let me interrupt you there for just a second. Yeah. Is that where uh, you can actually receive radiation at the time of your breast cancer surgery? Yes. Now that still okay. has to be. A I think the last time I talked to you, you had just started doing that, right. and I was actually planning to ask you, you know, how that's been going. Are our patients happy when they decide to choose that as opposed to? you know, the more traditional uh, round of radiation following surgery? Yeah, the vast majority of time they prefer that if they're able to have it done. It's very, they're very conservative about it because it's still kind of under study. Nonetheless, that is a, a way that um, uh, is, is still you know, open for uh, the eligible patient who doesn't have advanced uh, disease or um, doesn't have high-risk disease. Um, now, I was going to kind of go off of that a little bit 
Um, turn, I think that's uh, one of the main... Oh, the other thing I was thinking about is uh, they've begun to use what's called Savvy Scout, which is a nice mm -hmm. way to target the, the tumor with a little magnet so that they don't have to have the external wire coming out. Uh, the surgeons have developed that here, and that's been a very nice addition uh, to uh, could, the... I'm going to interrupt you again. Yeah. If you could elaborate yeah. on that, yeah. I know what you're referring to, <laughs> you are, yeah. but only because I've been through it, and you whipped through that pretty quickly, but, <laughs> you know, that wire placing, <laughs> say that wire placing, I I would say that that was probably the most traumatic for me uh, before it happened. You know, thinking about it, knowing what was going to happen, it was, uh, you know, the the creep factor is rather high on that. And, yeah. you know, after having it done, you know, it, it really wasn't that bad. But it, it is, um, it was scary. Mm -hmm. And I love the, the new process. Maybe you could explain the difference between the two, because if you haven't had breast cancer surgery, you don't understand what that wire placing is. Yeah, I, I'm not in on that whole process. I can but explain it. Yeah. yeah. I can Go explain ahead. it. So yeah. the big difference, Brenda, is the wire is placed the day of surgery by a radiologist um, at usually a different location. And the... Um, and you're actually taught, it's like a guide wire for the surgeon. Right, yep. The guide wire for the surgeon. And it's literally a long piece of yep. wire that is inserted into your breast and, and extends out uh I don't know, several inches right. that you literally keep in on your way to surgery. Right, right. The biggest difference is that the, um, the, so when you have a breast biopsy, there's a titanium clip placed. Okay. And that's, that's normal. That's what happened with, you know, before the Savvy Scout started. Um, and that's kind of like the X marks the spot yes. for the surgeon. Yeah, Yep, exactly. And so the Savvy Scout, the way that works is it's a tiny clip. It's a radar clip. So it's um, radar guided. So it's a little clip that gets placed next to that titanium clip, and that allows the surgeon during the day of surgery to actually use kind of like an ultrasound probe at the time of surgery while you're under to locate exactly where they need to cut to. So they're no longer cutting through, like following down a line or a wire down um, to the Savvy Scout to be able to remove the tumor and remove the tissue. We have better um, responses. Like we have better, um, we have we don't have to go back in as much um, because the margins are negative. We're able to be much more precise on our location. So it's really helped, um, helped us with that. I mean, it's something that a lot of places around us still use the wire. So we feel mm -hmm. very lucky to be able to, you know, offer a non-wire um, system, you know, for that approach. And our patients have really appreciated yeah. it as well. You're not left in the room. And again, you, you said that really quickly, you know, and it sounds like it's, you know, it makes it, it, it sounds so easy, but, you know, I actually was there. I had a surgery for my tumor and my margins weren't clear mm -hmm. after my first surgery. So I then had to go in for a second surgery. Right. You know, who wants to have one to start with and then have a second surgery? Um, but so really the news of that change is wonderful for me because then I know that fewer you know, people down the line, I want to say women, but I know it can affect men as well. Fewer people down the line are going to have to face what I had to face with not, not only one, but, you know, two surgeries, right. you know, to make sure that my margins were clear. So that's, well, I think that's really important to for pay, 
cancer patients. Yeah, we also, Brenda, have new technology in the operating room that allows us to visualize with x-ray guidance the um, lumpectomy specimen. So actually view the specimen in the operating room instead of having to send the specimen down to a different department to make sure the margins look good, make sure we got both clips, you know, everything, you know, just kind of gives you an extra set to, to be sure. So it's, it's nice. So then that can also help avoid Absolutely. a second surgery. Yep, exactly. We're improving Wonderful. all the time. Yep. That is exciting. Dr. Ployan, was there anything else that you still wanted to mention as far as, you know, talking about what's new or new things in the pipeline that you're watching? Most of the push is towards, like I say, Towards immune therapies, there are there's actually other uh, the monoclonal antibodies towards you know, for for breast cancer are being developed. They're not out yet, but uh, in the area of uh, a HER2 new positive breast cancer, uh, which is um, maybe 10, 20 percent of breast uh, women with breast cancer, we are uh, beginning to use um, medication after you've had your chemotherapy and Herceptin surgery and radiation, if indicated, there's another medication that we use a year afterwards. It's a pill that also helps decrease the, re the recurrence. It's another anti-HER2 new treatment, and it's a pill. It has some side effects, but generally fairly well tolerated after the first month, month and a half. So we've begun to add that in. So there's another way of decreasing recurrences because everything we can do to re decrease recurrences makes uh, makes a big difference, obviously. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so that's another kind of an incremental advance that uh, we've seen in the last few years. Who wants to talk about um, statistics as far as uh, early detection and what, well, what a difference that can make? Well, this is a, this is a I, I knew we were going to get to this uh, because it's, it's always, <laughs> no, it's always so important. Um, early detection, I, and one of the things I always tell women when they have a mammogram, we find their cancer by screening. That doesn't mean those who didn't do it or do it regularly still can't find a cancer in between, but it becomes much more rare. Uh, but those who've done it and found it early, I tell them that, you know, they let us do our work. They did their work by getting the screening done and coming in early. One of the areas that absolutely is, is just, just so important in terms of screening now is lung cancer. And the reason I'm going to mention that is that, uh, if we can find lung cancer early, which we're, we're beginning to be able to do now, the survival rate goes way up. So breast cancer, I don't want to say it has a little more leeway. It, many, but not all, are grow a little slower than some lung cancers. Having said that, um, catching it early is by far <clears throat> the best thing you know, a woman and or, like you say, men in fewer cases, obviously, but women, a woman can do. So, uh, unfortunately, we do still see women die of breast cancer that could have been prevented. And, you know, with with the data in lung cancer, where we're, we're seeing like a shift when you miss it in lung cancer, it goes, you know, maybe a stage one turns into a stage three or four quickly, and they don't have, you know, a long-term survival. In breast cancer, um, a little more forgiving, but nonetheless, uh, we should almost take the same mentality because if we caught them all early, uh, the survivals would be significantly, you know, continue to improve. And what, what still boggles my mind is the, you know, number of women who don't get it regularly that otherwise we would be catching so many earlier and, and be, you know, still be able to improve survival. And the other thing is when we catch a lung cancer early, the treatments become significantly less in terms of, you know, you might have an operation 
after that, you may have nothing else. For breast cancer, you may have an operation. If you're over 70, you may or may not have radiation therapy. It depends on if it's a certain you know biology. And uh, you might have an anti-hormonal therapy or not, but many times you're able to eliminate chemotherapy, which is what you know most women would like to do, obviously. So, so that's why early detection is still you know one of the prime ways to fight breast cancer. Well, that was the case for me. Luckily, um, right. my breast cancer was was found in a mammogram, and I actually was able to um, not have to have the chemotherapy. It was right. just the radi- the two surgeries and radiation right. for me. Shelly, um, I, I believe that I'm correct in saying that the, the top reasons that you find from people, women, mostly women, but, you know, men too, from not having a mammogram is uh, fear of the actual procedure mm-hmm. process um, and also being underinsured or uninsured. Right. Would I be correct with that? Yep, you are correct. I think, too, the confusing factor for women is, you know, when to get a mammogram. And I think sometimes you know, different providers will tell you, you can wait two years. I will tell you the aggressive cancers, they come on quick. I mean, within a month or two months. And so getting your mammogram at the age of 40 every year, every year, seriously, will. Um, so starting at 40, mm-hmm. you recommend starting at 40 and then every year after. Yes. Our consensus here okay. as a accredited um oncology program is every year um, screening mammograms and the big thing is to know your body like if you are feeling something that you're just not sure of it does you know just pick the phone up call your primary care provider get and have it looked at Um, you know the breast cancers that are estrogen negative the breast cancers that are HER2 positive they grow so quick and with those those are cases that we would actually want to consider doing the chemotherapy up front with that monoclonal antibody that Dr. Ploin was referring to to help target those tumor cells because you want to prevent those from spreading. And so if you wait two years and this mass, you know, just keeps getting bigger, your chance of surviving and living years after is not, you know, the highest. So just being really mindful of your, of your body and keeping up with all your screening tests. Yeah. And do, do your mammogram or I'm sorry, do your breast, your self breast check every month. Yep. Every month. If you are a menstruating, um, Women try to do it about a week before your cycle starts. That's when your estrogen is the lowest. So you can feel um, lumps and bumps a lot easier. Um, if you're postmenopausal, um, just making sure you're doing it every month. Try to pick like the same day. Some people will pick the day of their birthday. Um, and then just make sure you're doing it every month and, you know, get used to it. A lot of people are like, well, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I'm feeling. And, you know, have somebody that knows what they're doing teach you, you know, so that you can know, you know, what a cyst feels like or what a, you know, um, a tumor would feel like. Um, they come in all shapes and sizes and, you know, just making sure that you're getting, you know, getting it looked at if it feels like something because, you know, cancers can be found like, you know, where it's not even a tumor yet. And that's when it's the most treatable. So, yeah, just. Be- right. And your doctor, your doctor can teach you mm-hmm. how to do your self breast check. And I'm sure that you probably can do it there also at the Maria your Center if someone needs that help. Yeah. You know, I was going to say so. I was, I was thinking, you know, I, the Irish Breast Clinic. One of the problems that we've seen, and it's just, I think it's an evolution. We, we've seen it in other, in other areas, and that is uh, you get a you get a mammogram, and they call your primary care with it, okay? <clears throat> so, right. um, and that was a model in the past, and, and I mean, can, it can still work. There's some primaries are very good at this. I'm not going to say anything against them, but what we've, what we've done with the high-risk clinic is help them out, and 
if there's a question, if there's, I mean, if there's, you know, you feel lumpy, you don't know what it's about. And, you know, you have a group there that is totally geared towards answering all those questions and figuring out what tests you might need early on and you can get to them mm -hmm. right away. So the key is, is that their accessibility is very quick within days. Same day, honestly. Even, even same, same day. day. Mm -hmm. So the, the beauty of that is that you're not going without information, critical information for a long period of time with a busy practitioner. And I'm also guilty of that myself, although we do get in patients, you know, quit pretty quickly, obviously. But, but the point is, is that they're dedicated to that. And so they can spend that right. time with you uh, and get you down the right road right away and eliminate so much of the fear of it. So it's tr it's great resource to be able to tap into that, you know, almost any moment that you, you know, you need to. So I think that's a big part of it because once they have it done, hey, they're waiting for results. You wait for 24, 48 hours, anything longer than that, and, and your anxiety level mm -hmm. will start to skyrocket. And, um, you know, nowadays with the whole COVID thing, what we're finding is that uh, mammograms, um, they're, you know, they're, they're harder to, you know, somehow harder to get into. This and the next thing, Spectrum's having a big problem with that up in Grand Rapids. We're still doing very well here, I think. And so people are being delayed. They're, I had someone who told me they had an abnormal film and it took them a long time to get see their primary to talk about it because of the whole COVID thing. So just know that, you know, the, the high risk clinic can just eliminate so, so much of that fear and time delay. Yeah. And I, I'm a huge proponent of mammograms. <clears throat> My breast cancer was not a lump. It was right. not even a lump yet. So without a mammogram, my, my detection would not have been as early. And therefore I could have been in for a, a more serious situation or, you know, more serious types of treatment. So I highly recommend the mammogram. Shelley, are there any programs um, in this area that you're aware of that do assist uh, low-income uh, people or people that are uninsured or underinsured with their mammograms? Absolutely. I mean, another big situation with COVID is people losing their jobs. I mean, and so then they're left with nothing and then they don't do their mammograms, right? And so then they get diagnosed later. And so that's what we want to avoid. Um, we have so many programs available internally at the Murray Yeager Cancer Center. Um, we also have a program called the Breast and Cervical Program um, that's stationed in Kalamazoo. Um, any lady that comes through the program here, um, we're able to get them insurance. So we don't want that to be a barrier, you know, to care. Um, you know, it, it happens all the time and even more with COVID. So, you know, anybody that needs assistance with the getting a mammogram, um, you know, anybody can call us at the high risk clinic, like Dr. Pulling was saying, and I'm happy to give you, you know, all of the information on that. Um, you can call us anytime and we're more than happy to help you guide you where you need to go. Um, you know, with a diagnosis, we, we walk you through the entire paperwork. We make sure, you know, nothing's delayed. Even if you have no insurance and we're working on it, we get you to all the providers. We're not delaying your care. So, um, we do have lots of opportunities. We open it all year long um, before we focused on October being the month, you know, where we were doing the free mammograms. Um, we have so many different services, screening services for cancer now, like the low-dose lung CT, right. the, can the uh, mammograms. There's so many different ones that are available now that we can help you, you know, get the resource to get those tests done. Um, Does someone need a referral from their primary care physician to be able to utilize the high-risk clinic? Nope, not at all. Nope. Okay. 
So how would someone contact you and where is there more information? Do you have a website, Facebook page, any other social media, anything that you can direct people to to get more information, Shelly? Uh, yeah, so um, if you wanted to like contact us directly, it's the 269-932-9337. Um, that's our direct phone number. Um, we also have an email, so if you wanted to like, inquire about more information, um, you could email us. It's um, the SHL High Risk Cancer Clinic at SpectrumHealth.org. Um, also, you know, there's lots of different uh, Facebook posts. You can go to the Marie Yeager Cancer Center um, Facebook. Um, you know, click the accept, become a friend of Marie Yeager. Um, we have some events happening coming up about. Um, high risk and family history and lots of um, upcoming events, uh, different support groups and different, um, you know, different programs being available in the community um, this month and all year long. Um, so I would just have anybody go check that out there on the um, Facebook page or give us a call. Yeah. Way. In fact, there is an event coming up on October 26th. It's a virtual event at six o'clock Eastern time. My family has a history of breast cancer Am I at high risk? That is the title. And I know that there is also a Facebook page uh, for that event if you'd like to find that and uh, get registered to participate, uh, along with all the other things that you might be able to learn at the Marie Yeager Cancer Center Facebook page as well. And we have a resources page on our website, um, under underpinningsmarketing.com, and we will put links to that information also on our resources page. Shelly, gosh, thank you so much for everything that you've done for me personally, everything that you do for our community and helping so many women, uh, some men, but mostly women through through their breast cancer diagnoses. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And Dr. Ployan, also, I, I always love to look to you for what's new and you know what's happening, obviously, as the medical director of oncology services at Spectrum Health Lakeland and a medical oncologist, I'd love to talk to you another time about the other cancers. I mean, you do not only treat breast cancer, you are a medical oncologist treating all the different types of, of local patients that have cancer of all different types. So would you be willing to come back another time and talk about uh, just oncology in general? Oh, definitely, uh, we should definitely uh, do a segment on lung cancer screening. Okay. That, that's huge. Very good. We're trying to uh, build that out even more because we, we know that we can truly impact the natural history of lung cancer that way. So that being another good one. So, yes, be very happy. Breast Cancer Awareness Month is what we've been talking about today with Shelly Wilkinson, nurse navigator and high-risk cancer program oncology at Spectrum Health Lakeland. Also, Dr. Edmund Poloyan, medical oncologist, medical director of oncology services at Spectrum Health Lakeland. Appreciate your time today. I know October is a busy month for you, so uh, thanks for giving us some time. But the thing is, cancer hits people every day of the year, not just in October. But we do want to remember to make people aware of it and talk about it. And hopefully more women will make that decision to either get a mammogram or at least do their own self-checks once a month. Thank you for, for being on with me today. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks, Brenda. I'm Brenda Lane, and thank you so much for listening. 
October is Guest Appreciation Month at Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Concept Salon in St. Joseph. Buy any two Aveda products, skin care, body care, or hair care, and get a third for free for you, for someone else, or start shopping early for holiday gifting. Call ahead for your appointment to shop with an Aveda guest service specialist who will create your home care plan as you shop and fulfill your order. Or place your order ahead and pay with a credit card for curbside pickup. Either way, strict adherence to virus safety measures are practiced and that's why you must call first to shop 269-556-1999 556-1999 either way buy two aveda products and get the third of equal or lesser value free in october during guest appreciation month at frederick and kimberly's aveda salon corner of palmar and red arrow highway st joseph frederick and kimberly's.com that's frederick with a c Virtual hugs from everyone at Frederick and Kimberly's who greatly appreciate all of their new and longtime customers. Brenda Lane, an underpinnings podcast, is presented by Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon in St. Joseph. Also sponsored by Full Circle Cafe and Espresso Bar in Stevensville and Taylor Rental Party Plus in Benton Harbor. To see resources related to this podcast for sponsorship information or suggest a topic, visit underpinningsmarketing.com. Follow Underpinnings Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Brenda Lane, an underpinnings podcast, is produced by Jackie Bysel at Underpinnings Marketing. Thank you for listening and share with your friends.